0: for millennials. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakovic. This is the first day from the Fundraising School, and I'm joined today by Dr. Holly Miori. Holly is the Senior Director of Development at the University of Texas, Dallas, where she also serves on the academic faculty. And Holly, great to have you with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast.
1: Bill, it is such a treat to be here with you.
0: And you know, this question comes up all the time when we fundraise. It's been ongoing for the last several years. As the millennial generation has grown and grown in influence, fundraisers want to know, how do I fundraise from millennials? What's the same and what's different? And Holly has conducted a study into that very question. Holly, what did you find in terms of the relationships that uh, millennials are looking for in their charitable donation relationships?
1: So there are 75 million millennials. And we have to ask ourselves, is it really worth our time as fundraisers and academics and nonprofit executives? And the answer is yes. And we have to still think about when we're comparing generations, um, there's still to think about, it's still about the relationships, but it's really different. So let's dive in, Bill.
0: Yeah. So for example, you know, people always think about galas and special events. Millennials love them, don't love them. What did your study find?
1: Oh, the answer is no. Um, we're here in Dallas, right? We love our galas. You can look us up here. And galas are a lot of time. They are, they're expensive to run. They're a lot of staff time. Um, but we can raise some big bucks from them. Um, but when we talk, when we teach here at UT Dallas in our fundraising classes about that, we've, we talk about how important they are. But the millennials shy away from them. They find them extravagant. They want transparency on where the dollars are going. But but they still want that face-to-face. It's still about that relationship. I did a case study with BBB Dallas, and they still were having fundraising events that face-to-face raising big dollars, 700000 a year, um, but what was still the meaningful time? They still come together, they're engaging their friends, and it was still about those social networks.
0: So but, the event was more about the personal touch as opposed to the big event, is that correct?
1: It's a little bit of both, right? It was about engaging their friends, engaging their coworkers, um, and the big day, um, but they wanted to also still use that social media as well.
0: And, you know, Holly, that's consistent with what we've known from other research about millennials, that uh, they're not always inclined to follow the big institutions, the big formal organizations, the way their parents and their grandparents have. Are, Are you seeing that similarity as it relates to special events, that this is maybe just a little too formal, a little too institutional? for the way the millennials like to uh, go about their work and their lives?
1: It's the formality of the event that they're shying away from, but they want to be with you um, and they want to be engaged with your nonprofit. Um, And then they're also not listening to their parents. Um, This is another thing that I found during my dissertation is they will not follow their parents' philanthropy, their grandparents' philanthropy. Um, So we have to think in a new way. Also, the national organizations, it's the big brand. Well, they still will trust a big brand, a big organization, um, and they want that transparency. They still want that local connection. So you may have to think about how can you build that trust in a different way and think about social justice and different things now.
0: Holly, let me unpack a couple of good points there that you raised. Let's go back to social media. Um, You know, millennial generation primarily are digital natives. Maybe the oldest millennials technically are digital immigrants, but primarily this is a generation of digital natives. What did your study find out about millennials, social media, and charitable giving?
1: So let's unpack this a little bit differently. Millennials are born between 1980 and 1999. So they're um, a little, some of our older millennials are definitely remembering in a different way. And I followed the, my, for my study, for my dissertation for six years. So they are, it kept changing, right? Yeah. So if I'm going to tell you right now that Snapchat or Facebook is the, the thing, it kept changing, Over the six years. So I don't want to give you the new thing or the hot new thing to follow for your nonprofit or as a fundraising executive, because it changed every time I was doing my interviews. Um, So that's something that we have to realize is that even I just went to a fundraising conference last week. It changed already in six months, so we've got to keep really paying attention about what is the new trend. This is why getting, um, you know, continuing our certifications, our master's degrees, or PhDs is important. Um, coming to the Lilly School or UT Dallas is important because we've got to keep up with those trends.
0: So Holly, if you could take a step back, what I'm hearing you say is the individual vehicles, Instagram. Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, and so forth, Mm -hmm. that those individual vehicles might change over time in terms of preference with our neighbors in the millennial generation. Mm -hmm. But more broadly, at a macro level, it's sounding like it's digital somewhere, somehow, and we need to be aware of that. Can you expand on that, please?
1: Yes, we have to be Um, in the social media space to talk to our millennials. But here's what we were finding. They want to share. They want to be part of it. This is part of their volunteerism is they want to be um, being part of digital ambassadors for you. This is part of their volunteer hours is being doing something shareable. And this will help with your fundraising. And this is part of just like we used to have print this is what we need to do as well. Have something shareable. This is one of the things when I go out and speak and talk about millennials, this is one of the key takeaways. What are you doing to give that story? Really, it's back to the basics, still with those millennials. What are you doing to tell that story? But how can you equip a millennial to tell your story?
0: You know, you talk about them wanting to have something to share, something that they can get involved with. Um, We speak in spoken previously on this podcast with uh, Dr. Michael Moody as well as Sharna Goldsecker. They're the co-authors yeah, of, of Generation Impact. And they have that famous line that millennials, when they donate, they don't want their name over the door. They want to walk through the door and give you mm-hmm. some ideas for your nonprofit. It sounds like you're finding about social media is consistent with that and that they just don't want to see something on social media. They want something they can share. They want to be more directly involved. And you say, you know, Dr. Moody as well as Sharna. Uh, And their work, is is there a consistency there? Are you seeing that with your study?
1: Yes, this is also tying in with some of my work on volunteerism. So when they volunteer, they will give more. Um, My findings show that they will triple their donation from the, instead of just giving the average national average of 500, they were giving all the way up to $1,700 dollars. Um, I know that we are getting distracted in a good way about these mega gifts right now, but as an organization, as a fundraiser myself, I would love that $1,700 gift. So when we go back to that original question, are millennials worth our time? The answer is yes, but they want to be, as going back to that transparency, wanting to keep it local, they want to tie their volunteer time with the gift. So what can we do Um, as an organization, as a fundraiser, to get them to tie back to the organization with their volunteer time.
0: And again, that amplifies previous research. National Center on Charitable Statistics has found that 80% of volunteers can become donors uh, in a typical situation. And what your study finds is millennials, they want to be involved, they want to volunteer. And Mm -hmm. when they do, and they're treated well, they can triple the size of their initial gift. And that is quite a remarkable finding. Uh, Holly, I want to go back to your comment about parents and and maybe even grandparents uh, in terms of what relationships are most influential to millennials, uh, whether it be in their family or not. What did your study find?
1: Unfortunately, it's not their um, families. Um, they do respect their families, but it's really their social circles. Um, when, and they're using the full, their philanthropic giving um, for social networking. They're using it for um, work networking. Um, and they really want to use this time to be involved with your organization for all the things. It's the blurred line. It's this really complex time now when the millennial is engaging with your organization, but in a good way. Um, Think of this as all the things. Um, So how can you as an organization provide all the romantic connections, uh, social connections, political connections, all the things that we can do. Um, But at the end of the day, they still are getting involved financially with you, volunteering with you, um, and they are meaningful opportunities to get them involved with your board as well. Don't forget those things.
0: And as we try to make this actionable steps that fundraisers can take, It seems to me then that if I have a millennial or millennials, a group of millennials who are really engaged with my nonprofit, well, if millennials like hearing from their friends and their social contacts, Holly, how important is it for me to talk to those millennials who are engaged with my nonprofit to talk us up in their circles of influence? Sounds like that could be an effective strategy.
1: It's probably the number one thing you need to be doing. If you've got a millennial involved with you, you need to ask them to bring their friends to the table. Invite that millennial to your board or committee because they will engage One of the best things I had in one of my case studies is they asked the millennial to be the um, chair for one of their events. And then they brought all their friends to the table for a lower ticketed price event. And then they brought friends and then they were sharing on social media and it went from there. It was very quick and beautiful to see the social service organization get very quickly some, a suburban social service organization, get some really good millennial support. So it's important to see these millennials be engaged, especially with the great transfer of wealth. We've got to pay attention and catch their attention early. So I think this is where some of our nonprofits aren't catching on quite.
0: Yeah. It's a highly relational generation, different from their ancestors, where you know, people were limited by geography or snail mail or landline telephone. Millennial generation now can really amp up those relationships through social media, different vehicles at different times. Not always the most formal activities will attract them. Uh, and just being in touch with meeting millennials where they are, and Holly's point too about adding millennials to boards. We hear that oftentimes that millennials feel they're being left out of being invited to boards. Maybe they don't have the big R- rolodex yet, big contact list yet, or or the wealth. Uh, But it's a way to get their viewpoint at the table, their relationships to the table, and help, again, bring up that next generation of leadership for our nonprofits. Dr. Holly Miori has done this research on fundraising for millennials, which she applies her own fundraising practice as a senior director of development at University of Texas, Dallas, where she also serves on the faculty. Now, this is one of the topics that we address in our many public courses at the fundraising school. We're in Dallas and in many other U.S. cities with our public courses, which are Also available online, either recorded or live and virtual. And of course, those online courses are available to you anywhere across the world. Uh, We also have our custom training where we can design courses specifically for what you need at your nonprofit or your association or your region. We have quarterly webinars and, of course, these free podcasts. And of course, now also be in touch with the fifth edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising. And this uh, new book came out in 2022. And everybody who attends Principles and Techniques of Fundraising, our gateway introductory signature course now receives a free copy of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising uh, by coming to Principles and Techniques. All this information is available on our website at philanthropy.iu.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Our producers today are Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Stanjakovic, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school.